0: Hello everyone, Adam here from 3Camp Radio, and today I have the man who wears so many hats it's genuinely difficult <laughs> to name them all in one introduction, but I have the voice of Future Shock Professional Wrestling, Mr Rob Harden. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Hi, mate. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for having
0: me on the show. No, no problem at all. It's an absolute pleasure. What have you been up to?
1: Uh, surviving the heat wave. I just... It was the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, or it still is. In fact, it's finishing like tomorrow. Um, And I have an awful lot of kind of people that I work with that are up there taking their their comedy shows up there. And I tend to take a sneaky kind of two-week holiday in August as well. My busy period ends at the start of August generally. So I was down in Devon uh, with the family having a nice break and it's kind of back to work now. Nah.
0: (laughs) Did you enjoy the holiday though?
1: It was, it, well, yeah, but like, so what I, <laughs> it's not, obviously it's lovely spending time with my little niece and the family and everything but I found an Italian deli in Devon and it was amazing. It was like some out of Sopranos, cannolis and Italian sandwiches and sliced meat. And yeah, yeah. So that was, that was, the, that was that the sounds delightful. That and a little shop selling, selling old, old comic book issues. That's, it's a dream. Yeah. That Ooh. and the
0: beach. <laughs> yeah 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 that sounds beautiful I'm not much sure of a beach person myself but everything else sounds, do- sounds divine
1: i like to look at the beach i like to be on concrete pavement not yeah. horrible sand and go look at the lovely water on the beach but yeah i'm not a i it's too much it's too much mess and and all yeah. that at the end
0: plus i've got a very big phobia of the open water so That'll do it, yeah. I said that too. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's not for me, but I'm sure pe- other people absolutely love it. I don't I've know I've why, heard, yeah. yeah. I've yes. heard if one or
1: two people <laughs> like the seaside, I hear that's it's quite popular. Uh, it's quite a recent thing. It's going to catch on, and it's going to be big one day. I'm
0: sure it is. <laughs> yeah. Not right now, but someday in the future. Someday. Oh, yeah. We're visionaries. <laughs> Yeah, I went to um I went to Bolton Food Festival yesterday. Oh wow. And they had when I say they had everything, I I mean it. <laughs> I had this hot dog. It was an oak smoked hot dog. It was like that. It was gigantic and absolutely beautiful. It's my
1: favorite I, I live in in it's a middle sized town, but it's still a town and we don't, you know, I, I, I love anytime I'm in a city, the thing I love is just getting really great food and street food especially. Um yeah. it's fantastic. We have like like once a month this there's something put on in the park where street food vendors come to the town and or every two months and all the all the little sheltered people at this town go, what is this? <laughs> it's brilliant to see. It's someone that kind of quite frequently works in cities. It's amazing to see, like, the, the small town people around me going, oh, and uh, <laughs> we're going to get drunk in the afternoon from a, a cart.
0: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's, it was food, drink. It had merchandise, little things for dogs as well, for your pets, and everything. And I'm not sure, have you ever played the game Portal?
1: I'm not a big gamer. no, I'm aware of it. You use a shooter gun and it opens a portal and you kind of use that to do stuff, right? I got the companion cube and I'm a very happy boy <laughs> yeah my i do so. I do a, I do a <laughs> podcast the, the guy that does the podcast with me is a massive gamer and an awful lot of our podcasts is him making a reference. I don't have any context <laughs> for I mean you going good, cool all right it does sound like a very good game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's nothing better than making references to the other person has no idea what you're on about.
1: I, I did not touch my PlayStation 4 once during the lockdown. I didn't go, I just, I, I did not, I'm not, again, I am really not a big gamer. I That's like video disgusting. games in theory. I tend, to, I tend to buy a new game uh, and I play it for like two days and then I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not good enough to go any further on the game and I kind of don't care and I'm done.
0: I've been there. Uh-huh. I've been there with a few games that I can't necessarily get into. It's just, whether it's difficulty or whether it's just the story or the feel of the game. Yeah, like, eh, because I kind of like read, reading a book, I guess, isn't it? The direction and story and everything.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I'm looking forward to the AW game, though. I, I'm going to uh, hmm. make sure I get a copy of that because that looks really cool.
0: Yeah, I might do myself. Can't say i watch AW, but if it's about the game, I'll very, very be happy. Yeah, uh, English. Mm. English. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's helpful sometimes. It, it is, it is. It slips from time to time, but it, it does work. It, it's, it I'll, I'll,
1: pay, I'll pay any amount of money to get a game that's, to play Sting and it's something. I, you know... Oh, well, a, yeah. Anytime, any, any video game where I can play Sting, that's, that's, I'm going to buy that.
0: Fair play. Can't argue with you there. Can't argue for you there. And since we're talking about Rastom, the voice... A future shock wrestling. What was the journey? What what was it that? Um, what was the journey that got you into commentary for a future shock? Well, I,
1: well I'm, a, I'm a very old man. Um, so I, I grew up with '80s wrestling, the first the first boom, um, Hogan and 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 Randy and Andre and all that, and then I was a teenager in the Attitude Era, perfect time, you know, the, the oh. second boom. So I, I, I kind of had all that in me. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure I ever considered, I'm not an athlete. If anyone who's met me, they will know I'm <laughs> not an athlete. Um, but I I think maybe Joey Styles was the first time I, I really, an ECW, really kind of thought about, I was really impressed and thought about the commentator. and And it seemed like, it seemed a little bit more like, a very well-educated fan doing it—not not a knock on Joey Styles, but way more than like Gorilla Monsoon um, or Bobby Heenan or, or Vince or whatever when I was when I was a kid. Um, but I don't think I really thought about it. And then 2012, um, I got an opportunity to work for Infinite Promotions at Liverpool. Um, it's a, a comedian friend of mine. There's a massive weird crossover between comedians of my generation and wrestling fans. I don't quite know what it is, but I have, so I grew up and most of my life, you know, huge parts of my life where I was the only person I I knew in my friend group that liked wrestling. And then I I, I get into stand-up and suddenly it's like every third or fourth male stand-up of my age is a big wrestling fan. Um, and one of them was a guy called uh, called uh, Tom, Thomas Finch, Tommy Finch, um, friend of mine. And he, I can't quite remember how it all happened. I got a message out the blue one day, and he was kind of working behind the scenes for Infinite, and they were gearing up for their very first big show, and needed a commentator. And um, yeah, it was it was just bought me and like nobody knew you know I'd never been involved behind the scenes in, in 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 wrestling in any capacity so nobody knew who I was and nobody really kind of was that fussed about whether I worked out or not but my friend Tommy put in a good word and and um, and yeah we I did fifty first state of emergency um, got to work with uh, with Danny Hope and and, and Joey Hayes oh. and Zach, Zach Gibson. Um, Babyface, Pitbull, and some others for the for the kind of first time, and yeah, it was very much like it was very clear that people in power didn't barely knew I was meant to be there and weren't really didn't you know there was not there was no direction there was but it was a mad day like the the ring didn't come or that oh. got broke down the ring came like right before the show started there was a film crew. That was, you know, not a crew, but you know, like people were going to film this shit. They walked out after an argument before it all started. It was absolutely in, in, insane. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the business, right? Uh, it was, the, and and it, but it was a good, really good introduction for what pro wrestling days could be like. Mm. And I got to work with G Man for the very first time. G Man is the wide, wide shoulders upon which the British wrestling industry stands upon he holds a lot of this, this industry together with his bare hands. Um, and yeah, I got to, I got to call the matches and it was genuinely up until that, it was a massive, massive highlight of my life as a, nothing but a fan up until that point. Getting to do that was just incredible. Uh, Power bomb through my announce table, the main event, calling it without any, anything, just, just really something else. But they, they they used my commentary, but I kind of didn't hear from anybody at Infinite. So it was they did they obviously I don't know didn't want me back or weren't thinking that much about commentary or had someone else in mind. I went I went I went to the next show as a fan with 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 my friend Tommy thinking he was like I'll oh, just come along anyway and maybe maybe Dell want to use you or maybe they can use you and I was like ah, I don't really feel great about that you know been booked and I did I got to call a couple of matches but. I didn't have trance anyway. That didn't work out. Um, and then in about five years later, um, i good friends with Chris Brooker from the stand-up comedy world. Um, Chris is an incredible, brilliant comedian, brilliant MC. And he's played, I think, every gig and venue that I ever ran in the Midlands. And, you know, he played theatres for me. And he's played dodgy uh, curry house back rooms for <laughs> me. Um, and I, I, so, so Infinite Promotions was kind of like my first introduction to British indie wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen, you know, some, some of the more kind of end of the pier style family entertainment stuff that didn't quite get my ECW nitro heart pounding like I wanted it to, but it was yeah. still very entertaining. Kids like it and everything. 51st State of Emergency was the promotions was like eye-opening to me. I was like, man, I can't believe what incredible wrestlers there are and shows there are in this country. This was incredible. It felt like being live at a pay-per-view. It, there were stories and hang- it was brilliant. And I, I in those subsequent sort of years, I did start to get into um, Future Shot Wrestling and went to see them, Manchester, several times, sitting in their second and third row and stuff and seeing fantastic um, shows. And then in in the Midlands as well, um, Fight Club Pro, I'd I'd, um, started attending their shows and seeing some Chikara shows when they came over. And then, yeah, 2016, um, uh, my dear friend Chris Brooker, who I was aware had sort of taken the reins at Future Shock, asked if I'd want to come down for a a tryout. Um, I wasn't just a stand-up comedian at the time. I was also... Working in local radio as well, having a show on, on on local radio, so he knew I could talk for an extended period of time and hold a live show together. Like yeah. it's a it's a it's not it's it's a, a very multifaceted thing. He took a chance mm-hmm. on me and opened the door, and I I I, uh, I did an, I did a show quite late in the year. Um, called that show alongside uh, Sam Bailey, um, who was a quite a different person at the time we actually got on at the time um, <laughs> and and yeah and it we went well enough for them thankfully to offer me this sort of return return spot regular you know uh, ring, ringside ringside house i think i think they were yeah i think they were impressed to a certain extent the commentary is kind of weird like not a lot you don't always get a lot of feedback it's generally it was really good and then we <laughs> we don't need to say anything to you for like Three or four months or whatever, yeah. So, um, so that was good, and then, and that's been that's been
0: my role ever since. Good, that's fantastic. It seems like Chris Brook has played like a part of that from from way before Future Shock as well.
1: Yeah, we go back. Um, we go back in
0: the comedy world.
1: Um, yeah, but it's one of those things where you know you, you might not because you live in very different places. You might not hang out outside of a gig, um, but i I mean it completely changed my life that he 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 not just remembered me as a fan but knew I could you know hold some sort of live show together and um deal with a barrel of monkeys exploding everywhere every every two minutes um and it really it really I had a huge amount of regret and kind of disappointment at not. Um, being more involved when the infinite promotions thing kind of didn't happen and fell apart. Mm. It felt it was the best experience. It was one of the best kind of things I'd ever done in my, my young at that time life. And it felt like I'd been rejected by... Wrestling, which I loved, it, re, it I took it quite hard, and and I was a. I didn't pursue, and I didn't pursue any other opportunities and kind of knock on doors and put my CV out or whatever because I felt like I'd had a bite of the apple, and the people who knew what they're talking about weren't interested. Yeah. Um, again, they used my commentary on some. You know, I think the, the videos is up on YouTube, but I yeah. So when 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 Chris kind of gave me this felt like a second chance. Yeah. Um. I I was. And I was older as well. I was a lot more eager, but I was also—I uh, think—I had a lot more um, experience in in hosting things and and um, conducting myself. And uh, I came to it—I came to it very, very quite late. You know, an awful lot of the people I work with now, I could literally I'm old enough to be there to be their fathers, and and it's kind of weird, you know, with the with the with the with the with the twenty-year-olds and the eighteen-year-olds and things. But I'm really pleased I came to it later in life because. I think I, I appreciate Future Shock and the opportunities a lot more, and have a. I think I have a lot more experience that I can bring to the table than I did if I was doing it in my twenties.
0: I can see where you're coming from. No, I agree with that actually, because the older you get, the wiser you get, the more educated you get, and your cadence will get uh, will improve on radio, on commentary with time. And so I want to. So I've, I've done um. Radio. I've done radio for three years now myself Mm. um, on Bolton FM, and um, it gets more over time. It just gets. It goes from those nerves and butterflies to stomach, and like, oh, what? How do I? How do I do this? How do I put this across? To just okay, now we're in the studio.
1: I think you're right. I think the, the 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 major thing in things like hosting a show, um, like I'm I you know, I, I emceed and hosted my own comedy nights for 17 years, and then the live radio and then, and then commentary, they all have in common is this, this thing of almost almost kind of uh, switching off any barrier between what you think and what you say. Yeah. Because the, when you think about something, the moment's gone or you, something else, it's just trying to have that, obviously not saying any old random nonsense that you think of, like, what am I having for tea tonight? But being focused on what's happening, and and just getting rid of that filter. Um, yeah. I mean, that's very much true in in, in stand up comedy when you're emceeing, um, you're talking to the audience and just kind of want to fire off them jokes and those insults or whatever you're doing. Um, and I think in, in 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 local radio, you do very much. Obviously, you need to have a plan and a focus, oh, yeah. um, but you do want to be talking about the music and the newspapers and what's going on in the office and on your walk in that day. And and I think commentary is is quite similar in. You the more you use that muscle of kind of getting rid of the of the the thinking about it and just kind of almost reacting, yeah. uh, but but maintaining a focus. I think that's yeah. It does get does get easier the more you do it.
0: Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I've um because I'm the partner. Um, I don't know if you know of Jim Bailey. Um, he's the host. Uh, we do the two hour sports show. Oh wow. Yeah, it's fantastic, absolutely mm. fantastic. But um, there's been moments. Two two
1: hours showing, two hours showing radio is yeah.
0: It it can it, there are times where it can be difficult, and there are times where you sit there and go, that was two hours. You know what I mean? It's just gone. It's, yeah. you sit down, it's just so much fun. There have been moments where some of the other people couldn't make it. The host was on holiday or he's ill. And I had to take the reins. So I've done the show pretty much on my own a couple of times, two or three, four times, something like that. And that's when you really do learn radio. Mm. Instead of like having the host to bounce off, you have to bounce off yourself, basically. Oh,
1: it's, it's it's all. I, I, I I always, yeah, I never, I never enjoyed, uh, I never really enjoyed doing a radio show on my own, which I did. The vast majority of what I did was that. I mean, I did enjoy bits of it, but it is—it is an awful lot of, especially like doing the breakfast show or the drive time show where you're talking three or four hours. It's just, uh, yeah, it's—it's it's not having them to bounce off. I mean, I don't mind. I, I actually yeah. enjoy it in uh, with wrestling commentary. I, I quite enjoy. Um, well, but especially because some of the—I don't know if you're aware of some of the people they make me commentate with, but it's Isaiah Quinn and it's Oscar Byron, and you know, I would rather. <laughs> I did a full year with Sam Bailey. You know, I would mm-hmm. rather I would quite I would rather call the show on my own than than have those kind of um, those kind of commentary partners. Really, but wrestling's a weird beast. Oh god, gotcha.
0: yeah, yes it is. Yes it is. Um, I, enjoyed, I I did enjoy it when I did it on my own. Uh, it's more about the responsibility. Mm. I enjoy getting that responsibility because it's another step. It's something I hadn't done. because like, they were. Train, I, I, there were points where we all of us were in, but I'd be on the board, you know, just training with the filters and everything like that, just with you know, the faders up and down and how to go into each thing. So we were learning. Um, they had me train just so there's somebody else on the show that knows how to run the board if some if someone else is ill or can't make it, right? And I enjoyed the responsibility, to be honest. I it, it was fun and it was usually just the first hour because then someone would come in the second hour and join me and then I've got someone to bounce off yeah I think radio can help a lot with uh, confidence with how you speak and how you get your thoughts across in pretty much everyday life it helps with confidence and gets you out of your shell
1: I think so many of these pursuits, I think stand comedy can be the same. Mm-hmm. I think professional wrestling can be the same as well.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: pursuing some of these things um, can really help uh, change your life. And they, they certainly have mine. I don't know what kind mm-hmm. of person I would have become without without comedy. And it's led to so many things that I've been able to go in and do um, and present myself. You know, um, I, I'm not someone that ever needed help with confidence. Um, for whatever reason, it's there in abundance but it certainly taught me a huge amount, especially the DIY, like the DIY spirit of these things is really, um, like I, I, I talk now to groups of young people who don't quite know what to do with their lives and can, I, I like to champion the creative arts. And I think professional wrestling, you know, British wrestling is one of them, and stand up and, and writing and filmmaking, and all these kinds of things. And I'm, I'm a massive, massive proponent of the DIY spirit of some of these things. Um, where there's virtually no gatekeepers. Future Shock Wrestling started 18 years ago when a bunch of lads had nowhere to train and nowhere to learn and put on shows, and they just did it themselves. They found a place, they came up with a deal, they hired it, they brought in trainers, they brought in Chris, you know, Chris Hero and uh, Claudio Castellaro, and they came in and they put on a show, and they they learned how to make a poster and do a press release, and it's exactly the same for me when I started my own comedy club you know there was nowhere else to do it do you got to get up do it yourself and it's the same for young people to want to get into filmmaking or theater or writing or singing in a band or whatever those those things teach you you can learn so many transferable skills when you start a band and try to get a gig or put on your own gig or find a place to practice and things
0: very very much agree very much agree because a lot of these things are all of them actually are incredibly daunting right at the start because you you don't know what what's going on. You say because I see this for example, YouTubers. Um, a lot of them, a lot of like, one one YouTuber talking to a camera, that can be very very difficult. It's like a band in the garage with band practice trying to act as if there's a crowd there. Mm. There's always when you first start off. There's, as you said earlier, there's that barrier of like second guessing yourself. Like, there's, I'm just talking to a camera, or I'm just I'm trying to communicate with a crowd that isn't there. And it's always it's like nerves that just builds and builds. But once you get past that, it does. You're absolutely right. It just teaches you a hell of a lot because you get past that little bit of self doubt, and then the confidence starts to build after that yeah so what in commentary what would you say are some little nuances in commentary that you would say kind of help like you'd look at
1: for for other commentators
0: in general yeah yeah Mm.
1: I find it I find some of it difficult I I I I'm not sure if there's. Um, I'm not sure if it's one of those things that can be taught necessarily. I think it could be critiqued, and you can go, oh I'll perhaps try this, and perhaps try that." Um, I find my. I, I find myself. It, commentary feels very, very easy to me. I've, i after 34 years of watching professional wrestling, mm. I think I am uh, fluent in the language of pro wrestling. Not to say that I. You know, have stepped in the ring or trained. I'm fluent in the language that's trying to be communicated to the audience. Yeah. Just just through watching it for so many years, I I know I I kind of have a a very good understanding of what is trying to be communicated to to the, to the audience, um, and that comes quite naturally to me. I think the main, if I have to boil it down, which I do sometimes on, to our commentary team, um, you know, if there's someone new joining the scene which has happened quite a lot, or
0: or, uh,
1: or, or, uh, someone wants you know, a bit of advice here and there. I think the biggest one, really simple, boil it down to say what you see and then speculate on what you've seen. Um, it's not exactly groundbreaking uh, advice, but if um, a wrestler has their arm, you know, smashed into a, a, a male ring post, say what you see and then speculate what does this mean for the rest of this match? What does this mean? For the moves in his arsenal. What does this mean for trying to get your shoulder up if you have a damaged arm? What kind of damage could be done? What does it mean for their career? What does it mean for the next match, the next match, their championship hopes? What is it? So that I think is a, a, a pretty basic way of boiling down commentary. Describe what you see and, and, then, and then and then and then and then speculate from from there as the action is, is flowing. I'm a big proponent of um, nailing someone's USP, their unique selling point as they come onto that camera, like get both people's USPs over to convey that to the audience. This is why you care about this person. And this is why you care about that person. This is why they're having this match. And then we're off to the races. Um, Wrestling commentary is not rocket science, nor should it be. Um, yeah, but I mean, everybody, every, and every promotion is different. I've, Future Shock Wrestling is uh, it's my favorite. I mean, I, I've watched an awful lot, but Future Shock will always be the best to me. Um, it's the closest to the, the, the great stuff I watched. Um, and, and almost a mix of the 80s boom and the 90s boom. I think Future Shock is very much more about um, the, people's big characters and the emotion um, that, that, that's going on um and those are big things to kind of focus on in future shock and everywhere's slightly different some places yeah. are a lot more action orientated, a lot more about the the uh the, the big moves and things and the future shock yeah i think that's the heart of future shock
0: yeah does that I, does that answer like that question is that what you meant like by it. nuances i like it yeah yeah i know I, if if someone's i do i do that it's, it's actually funny enough something i was talking to him about last night uh because she was talking um about uh, because i've been watching this a lot longer than my mom has so she'd asked me of questions about certain details and she asked me a question of when uh, we watched a tag team match it was jenny b and jack baron versus jack robertson helena helena razor and did the uh ring the arm over like that and hold it while the tag team partner jumps off and double on and does it. And she was asking about it. I was like, well, it's not supposed to be like end of the match, broken arm stuff. They're just wearing it down to get it to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Like the, they are working on the arm. They want the arm worked on, they want to hurt the arm. So then it hinders what they're going to do throughout the match. Um, is a great
1: way of physically dissecting someone and taking away, taking away, you know, something they can use to their advantage. It's a great way. If when, if you take away someone's arm, are they going to be able to do a suplex? Are they going to be able to do a DDT, pick you up? Are they going to be able to make an effective cover, get on a submission holds? It's very, yeah, it's a very important thing to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's storytelling one because I, I just want well, it's the one thing I love about, one well, of the main things I love about wrestling is there are infinite different ways you can tell a story. There are mm-hmm. so many different ways you can tell a story in that ring. And it, 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 throughout a show, you can go from watching Jenny B go absolutely mental, not shut up, and be one of the most hilarious people you possibly ever meet, to it making a kid cry. Because yeah. <laughs> it's poor; the opposites, but it's wrestling. It's still an amazing story.
1: Well, I think wrestling, still at its heart, is um, is the circus, it's the carnival, and the mm-hmm. the, the, the circus has got the clowns, but it's also got the high wire acts and it's also got you know the the lion tamer, and it's got you know you need these different elements to try and entertain is as, as, you know as broad a section of the audience as possible.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If it was one, if it was the same match throughout with no build, it'd be okay. The, the wrestling might be good, but you might not capture the hearts of the people in the attendance.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think in some, some, not that I'll, I'll name because because it's personal taste, but there mm-hmm. are some shows, some promotions I used to go to quite regularly, and I, towards the end it just felt like, you know, I was getting the same kind of thing every, every, every. Mm multiple times in a show and multiple shows um and there's only so many times you can you can be wowed by by that thing that you you know the, the top rope canadian destroyer um there's only so many times you can kind of be taken aback by 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 that, those kind of uh, that kind of action um so yeah i think a variety is always good i
0: think 100% agree 100% agree yeah i um that's uh, just a little tiny gripe with me, actually, the Canadian Destroyer. I think it's something that's, to my personal opinion anyway, something that is used a lot nowadays. If it was used sparingly, it would have more of an effect. But then you can have shows where there are about three, four in one show. It's like, I've seen it once. It's kind of like decreases in value each time you see it
1: yeah but 50 years ago there was someone saying the same thing about the suplex there was some old timer going oh these kids today marking <laughs> my day the suplex ended it and you'd only see a suplex once every two years that's all we're <laughs> all just it's just how us getting older and the and the, the you know the, the the language of pro wrestling changing and the audience is changing along with it and then there's me and you stuck in the mud going
0: hmm Back in my day, I'm getting to that point either.
1: <laughs> well, there there there's a start. Like, uh, guys have been sharing every time there's some new criticism about the way you know wrestling is today. Someone will, will bring up like Lutez, um Is it luthers It's somebody criticizing Harley Race for being a, a stunt wrestler. For, you know, because he uses the suplex and he uses the the that and the other and too many throws and like Harley Race being seen as like oh he's just so showy and so over the top, you know. It, it, and that's and that's honestly there's no, there's no difference between that and what a lot of people do today. It just shows that you perhaps haven't changed as much along with the times as you
0: need to. Fair enough, fair enough. Like that just reminds me of Osprey and Ricochet. you just get caught in that corner, the spot monkeys. And then, mm. decades ago, that's hardly base. How times change.
1: I think that's the first time it came up. Actually, people sharing this kind of criticism of race. Yeah, um, and of course, every like there's the, the, the problem when we think about wrestling is that we have a tendency to think of it as a monolith, as this is British wrestling or this is pro wrestling, and of course, it's not. TNT is very different to Future Shock, which is different mm. to Progress, which is different to, you know. Um, uh, odyssey which is different so, like, like they're all they all have their own individual um almost they're almost different genres within within you know yeah. an industry within kind of a medium
0: yeah you you get a different feel and I, I think that i think that is something people who don't necessarily watch wrestling because if you don't watch wrestling you've no idea like it, and it's like music. If I don't listen to this person, I have no idea. I've never heard them before. They might be good, might not. But I think that's one thing people don't really seem to um, understand when they don't watch the, the product is that you get a different feel with different shows to go to. Like I went to IWF and then shortly after I went to Bolton Time Wrestling on Saturday. Um, Friday, no Friday, just gone. of the time of recording, and um, both completely different feels, absolutely different feels, but it's it's still enjoyable. It's not you just people need to find what they enjoy, and that's invested in. There's a plethora of different Mm. styles that you can enjoy, and different shows that you can enjoy, and it's one of the biggest and most one of the best things I personally feel about Western is there's a plethora of different styles for you to dive into. I agree,
1: yeah, same as same as there is, you know, you might say I like science fiction, but I don't like all science fiction. I don't mm-hmm. like that type or this type or, you know, I like crime. I like crime fiction, but I don't like all that kind of crime fiction. I like this kind of crime fiction. It's, it's you know, kind of genres and, and styles within a medium, I think.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, Within the wrestling world, would you say, and I'm not just going to like relative it down to one, because I think that would be quite harsh, because given the amount of wrestlers there are at the moment. It's amazing. But um, Which wrestlers, are, are, are there some wrestlers which you would say at the moment you enjoy calling the work, you enjoy watching them, both as well, a commentator and a fan?
1: Tonga, 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 Tonga. I think she's just fantastic. I think she is, um, you know, having, 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 I think I've, I've called some of the earliest her uh, matches right the way through to, to now. She's uh, just um, really puts on brilliant, brilliant matches, brilliant show. She is incredibly, I think she's everything we want our champion to be in Future Shock Wrestling. Um, I think she's a great kind of standard bearer um, for the company at the moment, especially when the men's division is. Damon Lee who doesn't seem to really care about future shock or has a different opinion on the fans and all of that kind of whatever's going on with Damon Lee. We've got Tonga as the, the real kind of face of the company. I think she's, she's just got, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of used to saying things like, Oh, Tonga has got a, such a big future in, in, in British wrestling. She does, but she's kind of almost there right now. She really mm-hmm. is realizing so much of it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a, like a fully signed up member of the Tonga fan club. Yeah. Um, you know we' we're, we're really spoiled in, 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 in future shock to have the incredible whatever I might think of, of their of their current kind of behaviors and how they carry themselves. But the pedigree of people like Joey Hayes, Danny Hope, Damon Lee, and regrettably our uh, Sam Bailey, mm. like the pedigree of, of those kind of people you know is is some and then on as well to have tonga and synergy. And and to have those kind of uh, uh, those kind of rest as well, you know, Dynamite Lee. Um, that's just a, a a really what a what a what a deep roster. Um, and then there's other things like um, he's not he's not someone I I wouldn't want to be. Two bit is not somebody that I would want to be left alone walking through a car park at the end of the show with, um, but like the way he's so ferocious in that ring. He is so, I, it is so unique. I can't recall another, uh, another wrestler I've seen in the last 10 years who, who moves and wrestles like two bit. Um, So he is always something. I think synergy are the most exciting tag team in this country. Um, I, I can't, I can't get over how excited I am when when, when those matches are. And then there's someone, you know, I, you know, the person I, I don't like him. He doesn't like uh, me or anybody else. But JJ Webb, who I'm not sure I have a lot of respect for, creates incredibly entertaining television. Yes. Whether it's controversy or whatever else, as someone that is on the production side and and is there, you know. Working to with all these other incredible people to make a television program. I have to say, JJ Webb creates incredibly compelling, exciting television. Whether whether we, we dislike what's going on or not, so that's you know I'm I am very I'm a very future shot guy, but I think those are all just uh, incredible incredible kind of um, people to watch and keep an eye on, and we'll they'll soon be everywhere. You soon won't be able to ignore them.
0: I was the right at the beginning with Tonga, as you were yourself, and dear, my like the the progression, the improvement, the the sheerly just how good she is. She commands the ring without even having to make an effort. Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah, great, and and it's it's something that I've I've seen over the years with um, you know Alexis Falcon, yes. Um, with with, you know, for better or worse, with JJ Webb, um, mm-hmm. I've been I've been around, you know, it doesn't take too long to be in a wrestling company before you see these different kind of classes come up through the rosters, through the ranks. Um, and uh, you know, not everybody makes it. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but the ones that that manage to um to to do, the young guns, for example, who can yeah. go on to bigger and brighter things and um do them, do them where they start at. Uh, and you can see them shoot up and, and grab everyone's attention. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's sickening how young they and are. You as know, well. you
1: know what? I'm going to put on record that I came up with the name Young Guns. Occasionally, Chris Brooker likes to take credit for that, but <laughs> absolutely, I wrote it down. I know ex- I could tell you exactly where I got it from, and exactly why I used it. Um, the lads themselves thought it was some kind of mix of motorcycle motor, 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 machine guns and the young bucks. And that's not accurate. In in baseball, they use the term young guns for the new young stars coming up. And they also, the first time I heard it, was they do it in comic books as well. When I was a, a teenager in the 90s, it was applied to, like there was a young guns program, which was, was talking about the hottest new artists coming up in the comic book world. And as someone that's always been creatively minded, I, I thought Young Guns is such a good name for something. Mm-hmm. And I always had it with me. And I started to slip it in to commentary because I knew we were having these two these two incredible you know, youngsters together. And I started saying, oh, they're the Young Guns of Future Shot Wrestling. They're the Young Guns of and, – and I kept doing it. And then I one day said to Chris, I'm just going to start calling them the Young Guns. Is that cool? Busy day, yeah. Do what you need to. And I, you know, I like to say it doesn't irk me, but I've seen Chris Brooker take credit for it a couple of times, and I need to get on record
0: that it was me. There you go. And it's Chris. a good name, isn't it? It's a good name. It's a very good name. <laughs> it suits them perfectly. <laughs> suits them perfectly. Chris, stop it. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be hearing from my solicitor. Yeah. That'll be get my lawyer on. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, they are they it, it is absolutely ridiculous how young they are how young Ethan Allen is and just how like, i how good they are they are you look at those two I, and you you know can... what
1: i i don't i don't i don't even think of Ethan Allen as young anymore and like if you cuz even he's such an old soul um, oh yes but but like i saw him at a show um a couple of months ago it's been a while since i've seen him but and it was just he just he doesn't come you know not that i think he's an old an old fogy or anything but and Luke as well, they don't come across as young because when they first started, when I first kind of, you know, was, was working with them, they were uh, helping out timekeeping and, and, and ring crew and stuff. And they were really young then. I don't see them as young anymore. They're, they're, they're ass-kicking blokes now. That's, yeah. that's how I view them. They're, uh, they've got big, bright
0: futures. You could pick them up, both of them. You could pick them up and put them anywhere. And it will. It will the fans will just gravitate to them because that's who they are. It's how they are.
1: They, I've never seen, I don't think I've seen anyone really command, like they got that projecting intensity is one of the hardest things to do in wrestling. And they nailed it from almost the start. Um, and I don't know if that's something you can teach. I think that is has to be a little bit of the, Magic is in you, I think. Yeah. You know, huge a lot, a huge amount of other stuff that you do need to teach and all that. But I think they've just really, especially you know, Ethan, he just was able to make a crowd go go crazy when he screams at them and everything. It's fantastic.
0: It's presence. <clears throat> I, I agree. I I don't think presence really can be taught. I think it's something I you just. You it's something that comes either you've got it straight away, or you don't. With experience, it'll come, and with experience,
1: I think it's very. I think it's very peculiar to have it immediately. I think that's that's that. It doesn't. I don't. I think that's like it stands out when you've got it immediately. I think it it naturally comes with with uh, with time. I think yeah, and it's very different. Like, Sting has got presence and always Mm -hmm. has. And so does Session Moth Martina, right? And these are you couldn't get like Crow Sting in the Session Moth. You couldn't get it's a dream match for me, but you couldn't get much further apart. And yet the presence is is you know very strong whenever you're whenever you're watching them, you know, perform.
0: Massively, yeah. Massively. And you mentioned Tuba as well, like he's if you if you want presence, that man is he's a predator. He's an Mm. absolute predator, he's ferocious and yeah, as you said about Tuba, I've never seen anybody like him.
1: I no, never me seen either. anybody
0: depict and be so laser focused on a body part, and so laser focused is so ferocious that when you're in there, when you're looking at it, you forget he's human. You genuinely think he is a legitimate predator. It's, it's a nasty piece of work, yeah, and it's mm. just it's, it's impossible to get away from that. Massively, yeah, Massively. one of the. One of my favorites to watch in the ring, I think, because you sat there and you you're so taken in by everything but is doing. But you're also thinking that he's so ferocious, he's so laser focused, and you're in, you're marveling in your head how you go from like the person that comes through the ropes to this just terrifying person. Mm. Like a switch like that, and it's just Like whoever he's in there with, like they've got no ankle left. Basically, they're done. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely done. I remember seeing him um, do a promo, Chris Booker's promo class. It was the first one out of all of us, and we're just sat there like, okay. Hello, I meant to follow that one. Cheers. He was the very first one. He just has that intensity. Absolutely, yeah. I, it's incredible. I, I think Tuba is phenomenal. And I think he's another one, as well as Tonga, Falcon, Dynamite Lee, all these people. It's presence. And you could just dot them in any show, wherever it doesn't matter. And they'll adapt to the feel of the show. And I think they'll work I, perfectly.
1: I, I think Tony Wright is another one that everybody's talking oh, about. Oh, yes. Right now. And is someone that is um a joy i mean i'm a little biased because again tony's a, a friend from, from the stand up world um but uh or or his his previous profession um now he's a you know podcaster and and professional wrestler but yeah he he is someone who has presence and he is someone that projects that massively to the audience yeah. and makes those connections and in everywhere he's been he seems to make this this amazing connection with the audience yeah and and I think that's probably ex- his experience in front of a crowd, which, you know, how many people wrestling there the first dozen matches have got that level of, of experience in front of an audience mm-hmm. um, and that level of experience commanding an audience, and reacting to an audience. Um, yeah, and he's somebody I think is going to have a a really special future in British wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm. Massively agree. Massively agree. I think um, a lot of it is so, I think, of that with Tony Wright is organic because he was a backstage interviewer, and announcer, he's worked in and around the bases for so long before becoming a professional wrestler when he stepped in between the ring. That reaction was organic because we knew his story, we knew who he was, and it was just so fresh for everyone to see. We know who he is as well.
1: He's... One off, you never hear this adjective used to describe people in wrestling. He is one of the most charming individuals you'll ever meet. I don't know anyone that has a bad word to say against him, but that's, sometimes that's just being a nice person. Lots of people are nice people, but his company is genuinely like, you enjoy his company so much and he's charming. And I think he charms locker rooms. And I think he's able to charm audiences as well, um, which is not something you see a lot of in wrestling. You know, Wrestler, he's so charming. We all love him, you know. It's going to be interesting to see him as he gets. You know, he had that 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 brutal encounter with Big T, um, <laughs> yeah. who with someone else. Is just, I mean, Big T is just an absolute spectacle to watch in that ring. He um, incredible.
0: A, he had a match, the main event at Bolton Town Wrestling. It gets very for the title. It's the best big T match and best rubber match I've ever seen. It was phenomenal. Two big horses just absolutely going hell forever. And it was absolutely beautiful to watch. And when it gets released, when the video does get released on air, I recommend everybody to watch it. Really? I'm not surprised, yeah. Big T is something
1: else. And it's interesting seeing Tony get into these as a, as as the charming man of, of British wrestling, it's interesting to see him get into these um personal situations, these very um you know intense situations. That's not something really that you I, I associate with my old friend Tony. Yeah. Um so seeing that happen is 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 really really more interesting. And you see I, I think I'm seeing more levels and more depth to to somebody that I've known for a while now. And that's that's really interesting when you see him, you know have to have to really dig deep and fight hard and you know sweat and bleed and all of that yeah um I, that's, that's something i want to see a lot more of from tony I'm very excited about it
0: yeah yeah it's always amazing when you see that different side to a rest that you never thought you'd see that you never thought was the so it opens up a, a completely different chapter and completely different like style of that person you, you see more of an insight to the person as well.
1: The, the anniversary show, um, the future shock had, you know, Tonga, Gia Adams in a last woman standing match in a main event. I mean, <clears throat> um, you know, a different side of both women. I think, but I think we perhaps associate ferocity with with Gia Adams a lot yeah. more. And seeing that from from Tonga is was really just something something very very special. One of the best main events. Um, I think that you'll you you can put that main event on it on the top of any card and everyone will go home happy.
0: I'll have to watch on demand for that one because this year alone, this year has been so I just bad for a plethora of reasons, but a lot of it is money. I'm on nail pay at the moment, hopefully going back to work very soon. Um, so we've had to pick and choose where we can go. Mm. Resting shows. And unfortunately we couldn't make it to that show. And I was gutted. I was genuinely gutted. It's tough.
1: It's tough. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but like you say, four pound on demand, you can't beat it. You get access to everything, Mm. you know. Exactly. Uh, I'm just gonna quick plug Futureshockinfinite.com, four pounds watch uh four pound a month. You get to see everything including all the great synergy matches, all the great tonga matches, all the great dynamite lee everything we've been talking about you know these guys they're on futureshockinternet.com sorry there's my no plug
0: <laughs> Oh go for it yeah absolutely happy to book future shock yeah absolutely happy to i try and do it as much as i can myself um it's it, it is it's the first indie show i ever watched and it, it's just what what show can you remember what the show was um it was that 53 three two. Few people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2017. Few people I don't want to mention. Um, sure. And, uh, Pete it did. Um, That's right. Yes. Yeah. Lana Austin beat. um mm-hmm. I don't think she's wrestling anymore. April Davids in the main like event. April Davids for the women's which title. Was,
1: was it? Was it two out of three? No, it wasn't two out of three fours, but it was a it was a big stiff main event.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: It was incredible. Both women were in in both women in half the locker room were in tears at the end of that match. It's um, it was, it was, yeah, one of the best matches I've called. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a really unique venue, 53-2. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. very small, tight-packed, but you felt personal because it feels closer to the action as well. Yeah, I, I, quite, I, I actually quite like that. Thankfully,
1: Future Shock is back in Manchester City Centre Century or New Century Hall now, um, which is, I don't know when this is going out, but we're, we're just doing it now October, uh, start of October we're there. Um, and fingers crossed that's a, a relationship that will carry on going forward because it's great being in the City Centre. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, great, it's great being in Stockport, our, our home, of course, but it's also great to kind of like move out a little bit and do some kind of have a different vibe, a different energy to the show like you can get in the City Centre.
0: Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I mean, well, it's Future Shock. I'm absolutely positive it'll be another phenomenal show. So that's just the the bar that's set for these shows. Personally, I'm I'm
1: aware of a couple of matches, and I um, yeah, it's gonna be very good.
0: Um, I, I I can't I can't argue. <laughs> I just expect that it's Future Shock for me is special. It's special. Oh yeah, agreed. But yeah, big time. For me, with my, my personal um, like favorites, it's future shock and uh, WF for me personally, B2W was I've only been to a couple of shorts of B2W because my mum works Fridays and I know we live in Wigan, but it is still when you get to the station, a bit difficult to get to the B2W thing. Sure. So it can be difficult getting there. But when we do, we leave happy. We, we, we do, we leave happy. B2W is fantastic, but like, Feature Shock and for uh, my two, I, I just, I love, absolutely love. You always need to
1: something It's something really special, isn't it? Because it's so different. Going to live shows, man, it's so different to going to the movies, to going to a concert. It's so different to anything else there is to enjoy. Going yeah. to the theatre, it, it, I, I can't think if there's nothing that provokes, I think, that level of emotional reaction consistently that puts yeah. you on an emo- a big emotional roller coaster that can give you goosebumps and can make you go ah and yeah. can get you excited and can get you I don't think there's anything else no no other live or recorded form of entertainment that can do that man.
0: I agree. I absolutely agree and none of those other shows you can heckle the likes of JJ Webb or Jenny B <laughs> and get the reactions from them. And sometimes I wonder how I haven't crossed any form of line with them, I don't know. <laughs> it's quite a loud chanter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they are phenomenal. And the better they are, the louder you get, and the more you heckle and chant. And you get Lana Austin in there as well, who I was talking to him on the other day. I was legitimately saying Lana Austen is... The flagpole standard bearer for all the British wrestling, in my opinion, I think she's one of the best. Going and I think right now,
1: a hundred percent, and she has been for quite a while. And I think she the has, problem yeah. now with Lana Austin is that now she's starting to, like, now she kind of knows how good she is, and so now we're starting to see this horrible other side of her. Mm. Um, but yeah, she, she, she has been. Um, that's why she's worked everywhere. Everybody yeah. opens their doors because everybody wants Lana Rost on the show. And I think, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, I don't know what's gone on with her, but she's now, you know, believes the hype about herself. And it's, it's. I'm surprised she can get through doors with that head of hers now, but <laughs> it hasn't diminished her ability in the ring. Um, that's the, that's a really frustrating thing to sit back and watch. You want somebody like that to to. To you know, to have a spectacular fall, but unfortunately, she just seems to be too good in that ring, and it, it's it's grating. And I have to kind of stamp all that down as a commentator. It's kind of hard mm. to try and be impartial, but
0: yeah,
1: yeah, Lana's Lana's one of the best ever.
0: he's one same as a fan. Either you want to boo her, you want to sit there and boo her, but yeah, I'm not so allowed fluid. to. do I'm not allowed he's to so do that. Good. I'm,
1: They've told me oh, I can't stand up in the middle of a show and go, boo! <laughs> but I very much want to a lot of the
0: time. We'll do it for you, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's what we need. It's difficult, though. Like You're sat there like, I want to boo this person. I don't, I don't like what they stand for. I don't like what they're doing. But at the same time, I'm sat there going, how? You're too good. She's So fluid in every little tiny, tiny little movement. So fluid, so good. Everything's just natural. Mm. You can't brew and You want to, you do boo, but in the back of the amazing.
1: Don't reward bad behavior. That's what I
0: think. <laughs> it's a lot like
1: it's a lot like you just have to let them know that you're not on not on board with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Now um as I said in the intro to our podcast, you were so many hats and while with the sun being on recently that's actually not a bad thing um you have written for mark the week comedy central the apprentice and the, absolutely the, insane. the apprentice
1: you're fired not the apprentice like the apprentice, spin-off show. Fired. yeah yeah yeah
0: okay i apologize sorry <laughs> <laughs> i
1: would i would love i would love the, the job of writing the terrible jokes that Alan Sugar makes um because they're (laughs) horrifying um but no there's a spin-off show where they get a comedian in and the comedian kind of makes fun of the episode that's just aired and yeah I've contributed to to some stuff for that yeah
0: fantastic stuff fantastic stuff what would you what would you say the process is for writing for these for the the tv shows
1: (laughs) Well, they're all quite different really um Like Mock the Week's a very, very intense situation. I've written for comedians Mm. that have been on on Mock the Week, and you have a very tight deadline to write very specific jokes about very dull news stories. (laughs) It's one of the hardest... It's it's ending, coming to an end now, it's one of the hardest challenges, I think, in in comedy. Um, To try and find ways to make fun of intensely dull things that might be happening and there are, of course there are the funny ones where something ludicrous happens but there's also an awful lot because there's an awful lot recorded that is never broadcast so you're, you're doing an awful lot of writing um and it's a very tight turnaround um you don't quite you don't have you know more than a more than a handful of days a couple of days to get everything and to think things through and to perfect and to so that's a very that's a very in, intense process. Um, Comedy Central. I, I I got to write and contribute for a roast battle between two comedians. Um, that's really weird because you're writing mean mean insults <laughs> about someone that you may or may not know. I think it'd be better if it was so, it's a comedian. I don't think I I think I met the comedian once. I can't remember. Um, but it was you know you get a little profile of their life and the things that they've said, it's okay to like joke about. Okay. And then you write very intense, dark insults and jokes and stuff. And that was different in a weird way. Like I had feedback when I first submitted for that, I had feedback, um, from, from the team that was, uh, you need to go harder. <laughs> I'd been, cause it's just not over that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I have gone a bit too easy on them. Maybe, um, um, the, the the apprentice was um the apprentice you're fired. I found almost like live tweeting something. You know, if you're going to live tweet uh-huh. and make jokes about something, yeah. um, it, it was it was a bit similar to that. The, the 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 most the most I think the most challenging. I wrote I I, I was commissioned to write a pilot for Comedy Central, um, for an, a production company it was working with Comedy Central, looking for a topical news show that was a little bit like uh the John Oliver show they have in America on HBO. And that was, a, that was a, a big process. That was a long process. And that was an evolved pr- thing. And went, you know, go down to the, the filming it in London and, and all, that kind of, all that kind of business. And that was, that was kind of, and fixing things on the day I was there for that. No, it shouldn't, it should be less this and more that. And I, I don't think he should, you know, that was, that was, that was, it was a, a highlight, but it was also a very tough, demanding, um, demanding job. So, yeah, all the processes are kind of different.
0: That, very, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I can imagine it being extremely difficult for for you to go hard on someone you don't necessarily know personally. You've just got, like, a list. This is what you can rip me about.
1: Thankfully, my, my involvement is often hidden, so uh, <laughs> nothing was going to come back on me. So... It was it, I, I. I just definitely needed somebody to to say, "Come on, uh, you do know, You know, if it's not broadcastable, it's not going to be broadcast. So just go as mean as possible, and see what flies. See what they reject and what they pick out. You know. Um, so yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's 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 something else. I tell you, it's something else. Um, yeah.
0: Can imagine. Um, I can imagine. Like, would the comedians like get to see the jokes before they get picked out for broadcasting or not?
1: you know i, I wasn't i I'm, I'm not on that end side mm-hmm. of the, of the of the project. I'm not sure I, everything's going to have been okayed. yeah, I'd imagine so. is everything everything okay. nothing's being broadcast at the yeah. I'm, I'm not 100 you know. i'm not 100 percent on that you know i'm not 100 mm. on on that it's, it's so it, but there's an awful lot of um you know pre, you know standards and practices and what what can be said and what can't be said and what's legally fine and what's okay and what have they i think i think it's more a process of agreed beforehand like i'm okay with you saying anything about these subjects and, and then i imagine there's a process of do not ever mention these so i i think it's probably more that than it is they know what's about to be said because the reactions i think are very genuine and yes i've seen an awful lot of people you know stand i know and friends with on the show and i they all feel like genuine reactions so i i I think it probably is a surprise what is said yeah
0: fair enough fair enough that's it is interesting though it is very very interesting because i i don't know if i'll be able to do that Mm -hmm. i don't know if i I don't know if I'd be able to sit and be like, um, "Oh well," I can tell this absolutely brutal joke about someone I've never met, and it's just at some point did, it's like I, a little thing you had, like because mm, like, with I, your best mates or with your friends, it's not a hard spot.
1: <laughs> it's just applying. I think that I think this is where the problem comes. Sometimes with um, the general public who perhaps aren't very comedy savvy, taking issue with jokes. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, uh, obviously we want to have a world where everyone feels happy and safe and not persecuted. But comedians exactly. don't have any attachment to the jokes they tell. Jokes don't mean anything to a comedian at all. They they don't. It's not an opinion ever. <laughs> Like, sometimes it might, a joke might be based on an opinion, maybe. but And so I think that's it. There's, a, there's a massive detachment between a comedian and the thing they're saying and writing. It doesn't feel like a, a, a criticism or an attack or anything like that. And, and very often, receiving the jokes doesn't kind of feel, you know, the, 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 the same way. So, I, I you know, I can see... I, I think I can... My reticence in writing was more to do with the, what can I get past the censors they're not going to go for this. Not going to go for that. That's what it was mainly. Um, but yeah, you know, comedians don't have any. Don't have. There's nothing of jokes. Don't mean anything to a comedian.
0: So it's more about taking the person out of the equation and just seeing how hard you can go. Yeah, the
1: they're just a topic. It's like it's, it's a topic mm. like anything else.
0: Yeah, and that's that's interest very interesting because I, I mean I, I love comedy. I mean I don't I don't know pe- anyone who doesn't love a good comedy, a good laugh. And I'm a massive, I'm a massive Ricky Gervais fan. And I'm not sure if you are or not, but I love just the fact that he doesn't hold back. Like, he's a genuinely great person in real life. He has a plethora of charities and everything, but he, he doesn't hold back with comedy. And I, and I love that kind of comedy. I love George Carlin for that single thing as well. I think George Carlin was fantastic. So I think the less you hold back, the better.
1: I think it depends. I'm not a massive Gervais fan. Fair um, on. I think uh, an awful lot of Judge Colin stuff was brilliant. Yeah, I think it's case by case, isn't it? Everyone's everyone's different. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd I'd say get out there and see some see some live shows, man. Because you never know when you're going to see the next Judge uh, Colin on a comedy night.
0: I'd absolutely love to. Absolutely love to. I need to keep. I need to keep my finger on the. Uh, on the pulse a bit I seem to miss a lot of <laughs> a lot of things like this like my brother I think my brother went to one of them my brother went to one of the shows and he said it was like actually really fun so
1: oh yeah
0: I can, I can imagine it being like a comp, quite similar to wrestling in terms of you go on there live watching right, live right in front of you it could be like a completely different fear to watching like be on the TV screen
1: absolutely like so in the same way that if you go and see a wrestling show and you don't know half the acts or most of the acts on a wrestling show you kind of know you're going to have a good time anyway mm. comedy can be the same you might not have you're probably not going to have heard of any of the comedians but they're all like the top of their field who make a living doing it you know when you're going to the comedy clubs and things like that um, sm- smaller shows can be a bit different but you're still going to see a good show I imagine
0: yeah yeah I mean, I've, um, I've watched The Evans twice live um, and that's like you know sold out big Emmy and the things like that um I'd love to, I would actually really like to go to the comedy clubs. It's much
1: funnier in a comedy club. Like I've been to I a few imagine. I've been to a couple of stadiums, uh one once once, one 102 gig. And and it, it just isn't, you know, there's no atmosphere really. Whereas when you're in a you know, the glee club or the comedy store, um, you you're packed in there, low ceiling, laughs bouncing everywhere, it's dark. Yeah. It's great for it's great. You just everything's funnier in that room.
0: I can imagine that. Different atmosphere, isn't it? And Yeah. Closer feel. Mm. Yeah. It, I, I can imagine that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because um, it's one of the things I actually really like about indie wrestling is because it's more close, that you feel closer to them. You feel more like a family. And I can imagine that translating very well as you said, said earlier, there is a crossover between comedy and wrestling because they're both performances, yeah, aren't they? They, they?
1: and they travel up and down the country and they work different things, different nights. And sometimes you see people you know and sometimes you don't. And uh, you're your own self-promoter and marketer. And, yeah, it's huge, huge crossovers between them. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I'd love to go down. I need to keep, keep your finger on the pulse. May I eye open for some. But I definitely enjoy going down to some some of the comedy nights.
1: It's great. I mean, some some people make the transition really well. Chris Brooker's obviously made this transition to working in in, in British wrestling. Tony Bright has as, as well. Um, I heard a horrible story that Danny Proper had done some stand up gigs in the past. So obviously, there's sometimes it doesn't it doesn't know it's always going to translate, is it? Some, sometimes I think probably if you're a, a you're a bad stand up, you're probably you know, are you going to be a great wrestler? You know, it's kind of hard to, you know, sometimes. But he's a Tony Wright and a Danny Proper, probably two ends of the spectrum, I imagine, from comedy to wrestling.
0: He's a, um, he's an interesting fellow, Mr. Danny uh, Popper.:
1: It's one word for him, yeah.
0: <laughs> you never really know what to say about 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 Danny Proper, but yeah, he's he's interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah.
1: best mates with JJ Webb I think that speaks quite volumes of someone doesn't it really
0: fair enough fair enough yeah yeah Um, I read that you also do um one-to-one workshops with comedians as well like what what's that like what's it it like is like working from I can imagine each comedian is different with different styles and different like cadence and approach
1: yeah, so I'm I'm not all I'm not really focused much on on like performance. Um, mm-hmm. My kind of job these days is material writing, um, okay. and and kind of bringing that experience to it. And everything's different, man. Some mm-hmm. some comedians want to kind of give their their set their routine like an MOT, and so we'll pull everything apart, put it back together. What words don't we need? What words are important? Um, I might approach a subject in a different way. Going, oh, if it was my joke, I'd be saying it like this. And I'd be perhaps putting that in there. We look at all sorts of different ways of of the joke could go and, and things like that. Sometimes it is a comedian's got like a, a whole bunch of ideas they've had and not written any jokes or material about it yet. So we'll kind of spitball the ideas and we'll, we'll kind of... Um, just develop an idea into, into a series of jokes. Everything's different. I, I've, I've worked on people's Edinburgh shows, you know, sit down with them, they'll go through an hour show with me and it's, okay, this isn't working, this isn't working, and we try and fix things. Um, I worked with a, a great comedian on their national tour. I, I did about five or six months, um, a couple times a month working on on – this is a comedian. This guy. This guy's been a professional comedian for fifteen years. Okay. Um, he doesn't really need me to help him kind of come up with different jokes and things. But he was actually, I want your help exploring big, serious topics and ideas, family, being a dad, child, all that kind of stuff. And how can we kind of make this funny? How can we find some jokes in it? So it just. Sometimes it's creative consultation, and sometimes it's very specifically getting into the minutia of of wording and stuff. Um, but I love it. Like, I, when I was a kid, I loved professional wrestling. I loved um, stand up. I love comedy in general. Mm-hmm. It was a while before I got to start. I was getting into stand up, but you know, I loved Blackadder and Red Dwarf and stuff. And I liked, you know, uh, yeah, like Lee Evans and Eliazar and all that kind of stuff. And I also loved uh, comic books. And then now, as an adult, I work in British wrestling. I write jokes for for a living, and I have uh, you know Marvel podcasts, and that's how I spend all my week. It's how I make all my money, and it's just uh, they're all passion projects. Yeah, never going to be rich off any of them, (laughs) but it's it's a it's a it's a hell of a way to kind of spend your time and build a life. Define
0: rich. You know what I mean. Well, once
1: these bills kick in, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Being able to pay your fuel bill, that's rich, man. Um, Very true. Yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, and it's things that, like, I, like, I remember doing the first um, Future Shock show. I did remote commentary because it was trying to keep, uh, the, the, the show is safe as possible with as few people as possible uh, once the world had opened up a little bit with the rules. Mm-hmm. So, you know, commentary can be done remotely, not ideal, but it can be done. And I hadn't done it in however long, like with the lockdown. And I remember that being, I really, even though I was locked in this room, hot and stuffy and on my own and everything, it was me and a wrestling show for two and a half, three hours thinking about nothing but the show mm-hmm. and, and and the the amazing wrestlers and and what was going on and I loved it and, and I I sometimes do this I, I'll, I'll message someone at, at the top of the of, of the of the company and say don't ever let me forget how much I love doing this um, and then the first the first show back was in, was incredible as well so it was these these things that can consist like when sometimes you'll take them for granted because it's part of what you do comedy I, I, you know there was very little I I I helped out and and developed material for Mock the Week during during the pandemic, and I did I helped out and did some developed some stuff for Radio Four as well, but there wasn't a huge amount. I I finished writing a screenplay as a pilot script, but there wasn't a huge amount of comedy to be worked on, you know. The the, so an awful lot was taken away. So I I think I'm even more kind of like um, enthusiastic about them now that they're kind of kind of all back. Yeah. I created my podcast simply because during the pandemic I had nothing else to do. I was like, "Right, let's talk about Marvel comics for every week and see what we can do." Something with this, and thankfully that's gone on to be a bit of a, a bit of a success.
0: Yeah, it was uh, shortly before the pandemic where I started mine. I it was 2019. Um, I got fired from a job. I had nothing to do. Um, yeah. So well, those
1: DIY maybe. That punk spirit. What can we do? Make something happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. My mum was working. My brother was at home at the time during the pandemic. He was working. So I'm just sat here like, okay, I'm sat at home doing nothing, fired. I don't want to just be sat here while they're all working. I want to do something. Yeah. So I studied. i got three certificates up there for counselling and CBT. And I started my podcast. And I often look back Got my first five. And dear me, I had Ethan Adam, Big Joe, Isaiah Quinn, Leon Gray, Molly Spartan. That's my first I, episodes. These are massive names.
1: How was it talking to Molly Spartan? Because, good Lord, she is someone who just, like... I mean, never, never gave me peace. Never gave me peace when she was on a show. No. It was just... You know, she'd come over and abuse me on commentary, and she'd mm-hmm. yell at me. I, I mean... And she still keeps it up on social media as well. <laughs> She's yeah, something else. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 amazing to look back on the passion projects. But again, teaching you you learn through doing. You're picking up transferable skills mm. um, in one way or another. You
0: know. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Of course, but I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine comedy. And getting your comedy across could be very something very similar to cut to the promo in the match in, in wrestling as well in terms of getting that key support across. It's just possibly different subject matter and a different approach. Maybe, mm. maybe
1: I I don't know. Um... Comedy jokes tend to be quite meticulously written, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure. I know some promos are, but but I think, yeah, I think promos tend to be a bit more about uh, maybe emotion, energy, and and kind of speaking off the cuff, as it were. Whereas with comedy, with a joke, you need to. Convey a certain idea and quite brevity of language and I, I'm yeah I'm not I'm not you know the, the perfect person for you to discuss that with Chris Brooker because mm-hmm. he is the the, the 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 king of the of the promo classes you know he's yeah. gone over and random in Florida the performance center and stuff and he's been a stand up for so long with such great kind of like uh, such great comedy comedy schmucks I yeah I've, I see I've never sat in on the promo class of his so I, I i don't quite know i mean so, so much of the I, so much of the wrestling world is, is so a, so much of a mystery to me still which is which i think is a benefit to my to my position um, i agree yeah and uh, there's some there's some i i think there are again transferable skills um, i think i think you're right in that aspect yeah if you if you were able to um, deliver kind of jokes in a convincing way, I think you're probably you're probably going to be very good at kind of letting the audience know what you want to say about somebody and letting somebody know what you think about them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because um, I, in professional wrestling, I, my favourite thing is the promo. I, of course, everybody loves the wrestling, obviously. You wouldn't pay for a ticket if you didn't love the wrestling. It's just simply beautiful, a beautiful story told in the middle of that ring. However, I love I love promos. I think promos are so integral, so important, potentially possibly more important than the action because they can build up to something at a pay-per-view that without the promos wouldn't ever be anywhere near as intense as it possibly would be. I, I love, I've always, like, since a child, always loved the promos out and the, creative, the creativity of it all and watching all these great, wrestlers like Edge cutting promos and all these amazing wrestlers, punk, your punks and all them, Samoa Joe, Paul Heyman, just flawless. And I've always loved that side, like the creative promo side to a wrestling match. To wrestling I, think it's, I think it's because we
1: um, love characters mm. and a huge amount of what a promo is able to do is to accentuate and, and just really let you know who these big personalities are. Yeah. Um, you can look back at some of some of the some of the great Ric Flair promos yeah. um, on the 605 time time slot. They're not necessarily selling a match. Sometimes it's just bragging about the last thing he did. But yeah. that's selling us you know his big personality and his big character, which means we care so much more about what happens in the next match, which is normally we we care because we want to see someone punch his lights out, and not the smirk off his face. But but yeah, I, I think um, I think it's because we, you know, audiences love big characters and love big personalities, and you get to see a lot more of that in a, in, in, in a promo, don't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, if if you want to look more locally, you've got the likes of Tonga, JJ Webb, Molly Spartan, Jenny B, and you've got these large enough characters who can cut a phenomenal on the promo. And, and I, it, it intrigues you, and as you said, like, if you are intrigued with that character and that person, and you either want them to get the lights beaten out of them, or you want them to be a hero and overcome, it will then make you care what way what they then do next. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's lovely. that's that is. I, I, people are probably bored of me saying this on a podcast but I say it in almost every single one but it's <laughs> an escape it is an escape from whatever mundane thing you're doing whatever thing you do at work whatever you, in, anything you do at home no matter what for two to four hours or however long it is you're at a show watching people beat 10 pounds out of each other and it's great couldn't agree more yeah it's brilliant fantastic I love it um yeah is there anything you would like to plug? Any future shows, anything in the future you'd like to plug? Uh, do,
1: uh, future Shock Wrestling dot um, co uk, I think. <laughs> uh, just, just Future Shock Wrestling. Um, there's some, you know, we we we're uh, in Stockport um, with uh, fantastic shows in our, in our in our kind of home promotion all the time. We've got a new venue in the city centre, New Century Hall, which is going to be really really fun and exciting. Um, and infinite.com uh, is where you can see all the amazing shows and matches have been put together. Um, if you want to hear me talk about comic books, Marvel movies, Marvel comics endlessly, um, head for Marvel versus Marvel, uh, available everywhere, versus the full word, V-E-R-S-U-S. Um, and uh, we put out tons and tons of content all about the history and the trivia of Marvel comics going back, to the 1960s and even further behind that to kind of give you the context behind the MCU and the X-Men movies and the Spider-Man movies and things like that. So um, we've been putting those out for two years now and having a great time doing it. Marvel versus Marvel, get us everywhere.
0: Very interesting. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you too. See you next time.